All right, let's do this. Peanut, if you're staying in the room, no talking. Welcome to the PhotoWork Podcast, the talky and touchy-feely version of my book, PhotoWork, for you photographers on process and practice. I am Sasha Wolf, recording today from the home studio on West 88th Street back in New York City. And I am joined virtually as usual by a man whose dog is his third child, <laughs> which is completely understandable. Michael, I'm not even sure a third. <laughs> first? Is your dog your first child? I know I'm not going to rank. Just did. <laughs> you just did. just did. Michael Chauvin Dalton. Hello, Michael. Hello there. Uh, how are you? Better than I was two weeks ago. Are you wearing your Joe Biden t-shirt? No, but we just took down our Biden-Harris lawn sign because my wife, Cynthia, wants to save it for history. Yeah. And nice. We also thought maybe, you know, with the few Trump voters that are on our block, we might be rubbing it in a little bit at this point, even though Trump has not conceded. Uh, also, we were a little concerned that if we left it up too long, it might end up getting defaced. Oh, God. That's depressing. Yes. Wah, wah. Yes, it is. Oh, well. All right. Well, we did win. Yes. Won. Even with all the denial we are hearing, uh, it is pretty undeniable. Yeah, it's undeniable. Oh, and Michael, before I forget, which would be criminal, <laughs> let me just uh, remind our listeners that if they go to uh, the Aperture website to pick up some books, uh, when they go to check out, if they put in PhotoWork30 um, in the discount code section, they will get 30% off Aperture books. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's, that's important. That is important. Such a good deal. All right. Well, so we have a very fun show today. It's our um, 10th episode. So for our celebration, we are answering listener questions. Yes. Yep. So I think we, we got a lot of really great questions. We might even keep this as sort of a feature in the podcast and just sort of roll it in somehow, answer a question or two per episode, because we we do feel like the questions are really thoughtful and, and whatnot. So anyway, well, instead of having a long intro, why don't we get to it? Yes. So Michael, uh, if you don't mind, take it away. My pleasure. And here is my conversation with you. Sasha Wolf, hello and welcome to the PhotoWork Podcast. Thank you for being on today. Well, thank you for having me, Michael. It's an honor to be <laughs> <laughs> Is it an honor to be on your own show? <laughs> Actually, it is, if I'm being really honest. It is. <laughs> well, so we have uh, some questions for you from our great listeners. Uh, and let me preface this by saying there were some uh, questions that that really overlapped, or were almost the same questions. So we just yep. we just picked uh, uh, some of them, and so um, if you asked a similar question, we know we know you did, and thank you. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, our first question is from Natalie, and Natalie writes, "Dear Sasha, what do you expect from an artist showing you their work concerning quality and concerning the theme? Would you only want to see like landscape photographers, or would you be open?" 
What tells you if a work will sell or be accepted at the market? Best from Germany. Okay. Thank you, Natalie. And, um, or I should say, Danke schön. <laughs> um, That's going to be tough <laughs> to keep that going. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got. That's the extent of my German. So, yep, these are good questions. What do I expect from an artist as far as quality? The quality. Yep. yep. I, I expect flawlessness. Um, so if we're talking about the print, I don't know, Natalie, if that's what you're talking about. I mean, but I'm going to address it as if you're talking about the print, you know, because I'm an art dealer, I am selling an object and that object has to be perfect. I'm asking a lot of money, first of all, for this object, but I'm also asking my clients to trust me and you know, in order for me to feel totally comfortable in that respect, I need to know that my artists have done their absolute best to deliver a, a perfect object, a perfect print. So if I do get a print and I don't think it's good enough, it goes back to the artist. At this point in my career, that doesn't happen anymore or it's extremely mm. rare. It did happen earlier on in my career where my artists were younger and less experienced, but that's sort of a thing of the past, thank God. And as far as theme, look, this is, let me just say this because I think it's important. Landscape photography does sell way more than portrait photography. Mm -hmm. So there are two different kinds of people who are buying work, uh, two major categories of people who go to an art dealer to buy work. One is a hardcore collector. And those are people whose collections will probably wind up in a museum. And most of the work that they buy is in flat files or some sort of storage system. The other, because they have too much of it, the other type of person who buys work for me is someone who is decorating their house. They may take it very seriously, but they can't go beyond their wall space. And those people generally do not buy portraiture there are a lot of exceptions, and I could I could list them. You know, sort of the more, you know, really aestheticized something is, the more. Um, there's an ambulance going by. I'm sorry, I I can <laughs> hear that. I hope hope it's not bothering all of you out there. Um, but you know, I certainly you know I have some work by Eleanor Carucci that is so exquisite and and or you know, extremely, you know, sensual and there's a sexiness to it. And, you know, people are, are would be more interested in that. But a sort of very straightforward, tough portrait that's contemporary is harder for people. If it's vintage, so it's a portrait by Walker Evans, let's say, or Dorothea Lang, that's different. And I, I could talk a lot about why that's different, but I do think it's pretty obvious. It has a lot to do with we're so far removed. Right. right? That's right. Yeah. So, you know, it becomes historical. Mm. Also, it has an old timey quality. It's like when you watch an old movie. Right. But I don't, you know, I don't choose who I represent based on whether it's landscape photography primarily or portraiture primarily, I, I base it on just whether I'm connecting with the work and whether I think the work is really good. I have a lot of both that I that I deal with. And then the, uh, the last question was, 
what tells you if a work will sell, be accepted at the market? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think that's sort of a bit in the previous answer. I mean, I definitely know that like pieces that can be really large and sort of be like room makers, like, mm. you know, that they're just they're going to absolutely make a room. They're just going to make a really big statement are easier to sell. Right. Period. It's really not that complicated. Yeah. And then, of course, you went. Yeah, you did answer a, a part of that question with the idea of you know, how challenging do you want something on your wall to be, too, right? Yeah. I mean, let me also just say that there are people who are in the middle of those two groups. I mean, I have right. clients who aren't, you know, amassing these m massive collections that are going to wind up at major museums, but are still really interested in very challenge, living with very challenging work. Those people do exist. They're really wonderful and really fun to work with, but they're not the norm. Yeah. All right. Are you ready for the next one? I am. Okay. This is from Ileana. Hi, Sasha. I would like to know more about working with a dealer. Is a dealer the best way to reach collectors? How do you find a trustworthy dealer? Thank you. That's a really good question. Thank you, Ileana. So I think that th this is changing a lot. I actually think that you do not need a dealer anymore. I think mm. dealers are great for um, giving you a solo show once every two years or three years, whatever their schedule is. But And I, look, I mean, I'm very pro art dealer. I am an art dealer. Uh, but <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a self-loathing. No, I'm, I'm <laughs> very proud of what I do. But I, I don't think it's necessary anymore. I mean, I am, there are a lot of, you know, really heavy hitters in the fine art photography world right now who do not have dealers. And they're doing just fine. I mean, some of them I know would like to have dealers and so they may not, you know, think it's an ideal situation, but I think they're actually really well positioned. Um, mm -hmm. You know, yeah, I'm just trying to think about, you know, whether or not to name names. Um, I'm oh, not right. going to, but because I don't know how these people would, would feel about it. If I had had their permission, I could go ahead and do that. But there are there are a lot of people right now who are the recipients of a lot of awards, Guggenheims and more, and do a lot of important residencies and have really important book projects and are in, you know, some upcoming important museum exhibitions and they do not have dealers. Mm. So, and the reason they don't have dealers is I think there's an, a, a couple of reasons. One, there are way less photography dealers than there were 10 years ago. And there are very few photo-only galleries opening now. Like when I started, there were a lot of photo-only galleries opening. That's right. not the case anymore. So there's way less slots available. And two, I think that you know the cost of doing business is so high that for a lot of dealers... It's scarier and scarier to take on work that they think will be really difficult to sell. And a lot of the people I'm thinking of make really challenging work. And so I think the dealers are worried about whether they can move move it. Right. 
But I think that something really interesting has happened, which is that there are so many amazing small book publishers now doing incredible work that those books that are being published are taking the place of exhibitions. Mm. It's not the same thing, not saying it's the same thing, but I actually think having a really good book published when you're trying to move your career forward by a good publisher is better for you than having a solo show, you know, at some sort of like low or mid-tier gallery that comes and goes in six weeks. I actually think having a book out that like really takes off and winds up in a lot of people's homes and in the collections of a lot of museums and sort of on the radar of a lot of people in the industry is the most effective tool right now. And so this like just explosion of small book publishers, I think, has really changed things up and given people the opportunity to launch their careers that way. And that's what I'm seeing happen with a a lot of people. That came up in your conversation with Leslie Martin about how to get noticed, right? And one of the things you you both spoke about was the the self-publishing world and how how a successful self-published book can really get your your name and your images out there. Yep, absolutely. Whether it's self-published or whether it's published by one of the, you know, small or mid-tier publishing mm-hmm. companies. I mean, you know, you saw like someone like Greg Halpern explode on the scene with his book Zizix. Right. You know, Doug Dubois, who I represent now but wasn't represented for a long time, has, you know, two of the, I think, most important photo books of the past 20 years. You know, someone like Christine Potter. Um, you, there, there are a lot of people working now who are just exploding on the scene with with incredible book projects, and I'm all in on that. Yeah. Oh, and uh, trustworthy dealer. Uh, trustworthy. Look, I mean, I think you can ask around, and I think you can. I think most dealers are are trustworthy. They, you may not like them. That's a whole different story. I mean, in my experience with my colleagues, the trustworthy dealer is by far the norm. Um, Mm -hmm. People have reputations and, you know, people talk. There's a lot of gossip. Like if you're not, if you're at all shady, that gets around. So I I don't think- It is a a gossipy world. It's very gossipy. I (laughs) I don't think people are being shady. Now, you know, you have to figure out like what type of relationship you want with the dealer. As we've talked about on the show and I'm known for my way of working. I I'm I work in a way that's very warm and connected with my artists because that's the relationship I'm interested in. Not everyone's like that. Not everyone's like sort of like mom. Um mm. but there are a lot of people who don't want that relationship. There are artists who don't, you know, who want just a, a sort of much more business relationship. So you have to figure out what that what kind of relationship you want and then find the dealer that matches what you're after. But I think most people are trustworthy. All right. Uh, should we go to the next? Yeah. Hit me. Okay. This is from Matthew. Hi, Sasha. Back in the day, photographers such as Frank, Levitt, Friedlander, Eggleston. I'm going to pause a minute here for those of you. Uh, this is a real maybe city mouse, country mouse scenario. You have ambulances going by. Yep. I have incredibly loud leaf blowers working right now uh, in my, my neighbor's yard. Okay, I want to just throw in one other thing that <laughs> you may or may not have heard, which is that Peanut just got home <laughs> about ten, five, ten minutes ago into my last answer and was weeping outside 
the door on the other side of the recording studio. So I actually almost lost my train of thought. It was so overly dramatic. Um, so I don't know if, if you heard that, but yeah. So yeah, we don't we don't know uh, yet what's coming through the microphones exactly, no. but. Uh, but I, I, I'm looking at my levels. Every, every once in a while, I get a little uh, bump of a leaf blower going. Leaf blowers, ambulances, and <laughs> yes. weeping dogs. <laughs> Take it all in, folks. I mean, all right, Peanut, can, Peanut can make it sound as if she's being murdered on the other <laughs> side. Murdered in some horrible, when all is happening is that she's, she can't get to me. That's right. All right. Let's get back to Matthew's question. Yep. So back in the day, photographers such as Frank, Levitt, Friedlander, Eggleston, etc. basically had the whole field to themselves. They stood out. It's hard to imagine, talented as they were and are, that they would have any impact in a situation like today where there are so many fine photographers actively and visibly working. For each good photographer, there are likely dozens also doing good and similar work. How do you navigate such a field when seeking who to represent? Do you leave it to serendipity? Um, I love that question. Thank you, Matthew. So, you know, I think the, the big difference is that back in the day, when people such as Robert Frank, Helen Levitt, Lee Friedlander, William Eggleston were making work, they, need, they were working on, with analog equipment. And so that's a, a really specific commitment you know, working with film cameras was expensive and it's still expensive. And then most people had to go into the dark room unless you hired someone else to make your prints. You had to go into a dark room and print your work. And so just the amount of financial commitment to that and then the amount of commitment to just your man hours and labor just separated out a lot of people. I mean, a mm -hmm. lot of people are like, you know what? I don't want to spend like half my life in a dark room inhaling chemicals. And now with digital technology, it's just everyone, it, it's just so much easier. And so that thing that separated people out just based on commitment is, is not there anymore. It, it, and it's just the barrier to entry is just so much lower. And so we do have way more photographers. I mean, it's sort of astonishing how many people think of themselves as photographers. Um, right. as, as far as how I, nav I navigate that when looking for people to represent, you know, Matthew asks, do you leave it to serendipity? And if I'm being really honest, there is a certain amount of serendipity, of course. Mm -hmm. There's no question that, you know, sometimes I'll see work that I really like, but it's similar to someone else I represent. And so, you know, I don't wind up working with that person because I already work with someone who's similar and it was just right. a matter of timing. And look, that's life, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. a lot of life is just comes down to timing. And um, I do like to think that eventually if people are really committed and continue to do really fantastic, fantastic work, they will get recognized. You know, I, it, it, the ship may have sailed on working with me, but <laughs> I don't think anyone needs to cry over that. Um, <laughs> there's plenty of wonderful people. And as we were just talking about, there's a lot of ways of sort of taking control of your own destiny in our world now. So I hope that answers the question. And if I could add on just a little bit, yeah. maybe because there is so much more out there, the level of commitment, the level of work uh, has to 
be more or has to be different? Well, there's a different, there may be a different, you know, I don't know about this, but there's certainly the amount of work you have to do to be great and the amount of work you have to do to, you know, introduce your work to the world is, you know, I don't know if it, if it's exponentially more or not. I'm sure it was always really difficult to get noticed. But yes, I, I'm sure that's the case. But there is a glut of sort of, you know, mediocre work right, right. now. I mean, that's that's true. I mean, look, the camera, I always say to people, you know, if you want to be a great photographer, stop relying on your camera. That's mm-hmm. the, the first thing you need to do. And you have to really embrace that very simple concept. Do not rely on your camera to make the work because we've had that uh, conversation about layers um, quite a few right. times, but that's, but particularly just in our last episode with Alejandro Cartagena. That's right. So the camera can't be the th- the camera will make a great photograph if you have a great camera, but that's not make what makes someone a great artist. So yeah. All right. Well, I, I think we covered that. Yep. Let's let's, <laughs> let's move on. All right. Uh, the next question is from Ryan. What would you recommend for someone who considers themselves to be a very serious, hardworking, and passionate photographer, but has zero credentials, no degrees in photo, no gallery representation, no exhibitions, but would like to get their work out there, be seen, make connections with people, and make a reputable contribution to the medium? And there's definitely a little relationship to the last question uh, in that one. Yeah, and also on, you know, earlier talking about you know, making books and whatnot. I think books are the best sort of entry place right now. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, look, I don't think you, I don't think everyone takes the same road. I think there's lots of ways to sort of, you know, go on this journey. And I don't know any serious curator, whether that curator is also an art dealer or a museum curator, who gives a rat's ass what your <laughs> resume is if they love the work, mm-hmm. period. I don't have anything else to say about that. If the work is great, it just does not matter where it came from. I think the if there is a, um, anything that matters about that MFA and where you went, it, it's possibly the networking. It's pos- possibly the connections you made while you were there. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, and Danielle Bowman and I talked about that in an earlier episode. I mean... Going to one of the the MFA programs where every one of your professors is incredibly famous helps. There's no mm-hmm. question. Let's not pretend that's not the case. But, you know, if I see great work, I don't care where it comes from. All right. Okay, so this is from Jordan. For the people who didn't take the traditional route and go to school, what should we focus on? I feel like I can't read and I'm trying to make it into a distinguished literary club. Okay, well, Jordan, thanks for the question. You know, I think everyone's perfectly capable of learning about um, the history of their medium on their own. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's no question that there's sort of like a canon that, that, you know, the giants of our industry that people would study. I think that's changing and becoming more inclusive. So I think that that's really good news. But, you know, I don't have an art history degree myself. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I went from getting a creative writing degree to a film degree, filmmaking, studied a ton of photography from the time I was young. But, you know, everything I know about fine art photography is self-taught. For, for better or worse. Uh, but but I don't, you know, you know, I don't really feel self-conscious myself. I mean, you know, I'm sure that if I went and got a degree that there'd be a lot I could learn. But I don't, you know, I feel like I do a lot of homework and I'm perfectly capable of doing that. And so, you know, I put aside a certain amount of time every week to read through some photo essay books, and you know I'm a big fan. Everyone knows this of Robert Adams writing on photography, but there's a lot of really great writing on photography. And then just looking at pictures, and you know I have a big photo book collection. Obviously, maybe it's not obvious, but <laughs> I do. And you know, and I look through pictures a lot. And I think it's really important when you're looking th- at pictures and however you're looking at them, whether it's in an exhibition or in a photo book. You know, I try and think a lot about when I don't like something almost as much as when I do, you know, because I think it's just important. It's like you just be really thorough. So, you know, when you're flipping through a book, don't just flip through it. Really think about why is this image good? Why do I think this image is good? What are all the reasons that I think this image works? What are the reasons why I think this image doesn't work? You know, just just try and like really push yourself. And I think you can do it on your own. Hmm. Yeah. And, you know, Jordan's question also makes me uh, think about those conversations uh, that we've had in terms of, you know, community, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And that you don't, you don't have to be in this alone, right? And if it, it helps to uh, try to find that community where you can sort of support each other and, and be influenced by what others are influenced by, right? By other people are influenced Well, by. you know, I'm a huge believer in community. I mean, I'm just, I'm like obsessed with the concept of collaboration. And collaboration, you know, can mean not only different things to different people, but it can also mean different things in different contexts. I mean, so you and I are collaborating on this podcast. I collaborate with my artists when I'm editing their work. I'm not right. the author, but I'm I'm collaborating. I'm giving them my input. Edit, book editors are collaborating. You know, when I used to make films, my costume designer or set designer were my collaborators. If you're in a critique group and you're greatly influenced by the people in your critique group, then they're your collaborators. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm just all in on, on collaboration. I do not believe in the lone genius. You know, you can come up with exceptions to the rule, but... To me, the rule is that people make their best work in dialogue with other people. Um, right. So, you know, anyone is is capable of finding their, you know, those people. Yeah. This is just about commitment, really. Right. I think. All right. Okay. So this next question is from Stone. I think there's a huge question in a lot of artists' minds as to how to get your first solo show, your first book, your first publication, your first residency. It seems to follow that once you have one, the gates are more open to further ones. How does the art world arrive at opening the gates beyond the providence of the artist versus the work itself? So I think what Stone's asking is like, yeah, how do you get sort of past, you know, entry into the club, which the idea is that the first something will get you um, that entry. And I think we've talked about this in, in different ways. But, 
you know, I will just come back around to something we were just touching on, which is, you know, networking. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, networking is so unbelievably important that, like, if if I could somehow use a highlighter pen (laughs) to highlight the sentence and when you were listening to this, it would somehow pop out and you'd see it underlined. Should I I add stadium reverb to it? (laughs) Oh, my God. I love this idea. (laughs) Yes. 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 (laughs) Networking is so important. I I, I do want to be mindful of the fact that a lot of people don't have easy networking opportunities because they're not in like major photo, fine art photo cities. But you have to do your best to work around that. And there are ways of doing that. So one of the most sort of the ways most people take advantage of are portfolio reviews. Portfolio reviews happen all over the world. And there's a lot of fantastic ones. And they are just big networking opportunities. That's what they are. Do you get your work critiqued? Yes. Is it helpful to get your work critiqued by some fantastic book editor or some art dealer? Yes. But the thing that's really happening at Portfolio Reviews is networking. You are meeting people. And, you know, I have met so many people at Portfolio Reviews that, and let me add one other thing, another really uh, great thing, because what I'm about to say will apply to this as well. Another really wonderful place to meet people where the door is open to anyone are big art fairs, particularly where there are book sections. So like mm-hmm. Perry Photo and Perry Photo New York, they, they have these huge book sections at the fair. And the book sections are basically hangout lounges. Yes. They're my favorite and spots in those places. There, it yeah. is so fun. and. Yeah. And it's just a great way to meet people. And, you know, that may mean, you you know, taking a deep breath and walking up to someone and introducing yourself. So the easiest way to meet people is that you're hanging out with someone who knows someone and then you meet, you know, that sort of domino thing. But even if you show up totally by yourself, you can walk up to someone and introduce yourself. And don't, you're not asking for something in that moment. You're simply introducing yourself. I'm a fan of what you do. I love your work, whatever it is. But these are building blocks to relationships. And so this is a commitment networking. You know, there there needs to be some authenticity and sincerity in your in that in that meet and greet moment. So that it doesn't really admire what they do. That's right. Exactly. You're not just sort of trying to grab something from someone. It needs to be a bit more nuanced than that. But, <laughs> but you know, I have met so many people at portfolio reviews and at art fairs that I have wound up either working with or forming very close mentoring relationships with. So this isn't something that happens occasionally. This is something that happens all the time. In that way, we have something in the photo community that a lot of artists don't have, like, you know, painters and... People in other mediums don't have these portfolio review. This is this thing right. that's in the photo world and is so, so, so valuable. So I really urge people to take advantage of them. Yeah. And you know, one of the things I learned from the last um, SPE conference is that it's actually fun to be on both sides of the table if you really are 
you know, meeting people and introducing yourself to people who you do truly admire. You, yeah, you, absolutely. You know, whether you're you're on one side of the table looking at work or the other side of the table presenting work, it's, yeah. it can be a, a really great experience. Yes, absolutely. And, and, pe- and we people want to be generous. Like they, they want to be generous, you know, when they're looking at your work. So it, it can be a really good experience. Yep, for sure. I mean, I'll tell you something. I don't know if she remembers this, but Leslie Martin, who's the creative director of Aperture, who I've had on the podcast and is one, one of my absolute closest friends in the world. I first met Leslie because I introduced myself to her. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's what happened. She was very well known and I was eh. And um, <laughs> we were, I was at an Aperture function. I went up and I just introduced myself. And, you know, that was like the beginning. And then I saw her again a couple weeks later and yada, yada. And then another time and another time. And we became good friends. And, you know, she, you know, brought my book, Photo Work to Aperture, pitched it. And we've done a lot of fun things together over the years. And, we, you know, so, and she also, by the way, is often recommending artists for me to look at their work and i'm often sending artists her way for her to look at work we we mm. are constantly not just leslie and i but all my friends in the industry we're constantly sharing work with each other of artists that we like so yeah and that's that it, that building it's a super block, big right? pa- yeah, yeah it's a super big part of of the collegiate sort of experience Exactly. And by yeah. collegiate, I mean colleagues. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Not <laughs> academia. Right. No. All right. Uh, this is from Julie Ray. Hi, Sasha. I really enjoy the work you do. If I'm not too late, can you speak about how to get in contact with art book folks to pitch an idea to them and or how to pitch an idea? Thank you so much. Yep. Sure, Julie Ray. This is going to be probably my shortest answer. That's a really good question, but it's quite simple. Most galleries and publishers, and publishers are much easier this way, but if you go to their website, they have submission guidelines on their website. So all you have to do is submit your work. Great, great small slash medium-sized publishers like TBW, TIS, um, my friend Chris Graves, KGP. These guys all take submissions. So you know, this is this is great news because it's completely democratic. You don't have to know anyone. You don't have to have gone to any fancy school. You don't have to live in New York City. You don't have to do a million things. You just have to submit good work and right. they'll be really interested in, in seeing it. So again, coming back around to what I was talking about earlier about the importance of small book publishers right now, just to me, the most important sort of cog in our wheel. Yeah. I mean, I guess the only... Now, impediment would be make sure you you check their websites and and you know do it exactly right. Yeah, and and you know have a sense that they'll be interested. It's the right match for you. But I I don't want to be- belabor this because I think it's really that simple. All right. Uh, so this one, this next one is from Lars. Hi, Sasha. I would be interested to know if you can see any trends in the buying behavior of your clients, such as sizes, prices, or themes. Uh, really looking forward to the next episode. Love both the book and the podcast a lot. Uh, well, thank you, Lars. Yep. So there have been trends over the years. They're sort of hard. They're not always easy to see right as they're starting. It's sort of sometimes easier almost in the rearview mirror. But, you know, one like really obvious trend to me, doesn't have to be obvious to you, um, but... <laughs> 
that came up a number of years ago was the trend, the sort of renewed interest in process work. And there was a lot of discussion about this at the time. And by process work, I mean non-camera work, so photograms, chemograms, that that type of of work. And, you know, I think a lot of us have sort of believed and believe that this was a pushback against digital, Mm. that clients were interested in seeing the hand more in the work. You know, you saw, you know, I I think of Yossi Milo, the wonderful Chelsea dealer who represents a lot of process artists. And, you know, he definitely was someone who was really excited about it and, and sort of you know, very involved with this type of work. And I would say he has a number of very well-known artists who are doing process work, but I'll just mention one, um, and that's Allison Rossiter. And when Yossi started working with Allison, it, it was right at this time when you were really just seeing this come on, you know, he represents Marco Breuer, Chris McCaw, so, and others. And I represent two process artists, one who's all process, Chuck Kelton, and the other is sort of 50-50, and that's Caleb Charland. And I love working with this type of work. Um, It's unique. The work is, the prints are unique, and they are very handmade feeling. So that was like a big trend. I, I think it continues to this day. But, you know, and yes, there are many trends that happen, like there was the Dusseldorf school was you saw a lot of work in that that sort of Thomas Struth uh, sort of very almost didactic, very cool, you know, emotionally distant, extremely formal type of work. You saw a lot of that, you know, in the 90s, early 2000s. And so you see you do see trends like that come and go. But Lars, I don't. I don't think there's any big trends right now as far as, far as sizing, prices, very specific themes. I, I don't, you know, I don't feel that. For, for sure, clients have, you know, embraced bigger and bigger pieces since I've been, you know, I sell work that's, you know, as big as 74 inches across mm. now, which is enormous. Um <laughs> You have to transport that. <laughs> oh my God! It's that is that's a whole nother show. But um, but yeah, I think that sort of nitty gritty stays the same. It it goes a little bit back to to Matthew's question about there being so many photographers now, right? And and so much good work out there. Is that it, it? Just seems like there's a lot of everything happening all at once. Right? There is. I think that's exactly right. I think that's exactly right. There's a lot of everything, and different dealers work with different material that they feel connected to, you know? Mm. I mean, everyone knows that, you know, I work with a lot of, you know, sort of what we call straight photography. Um, You know, I don't work with too much very sort of fanciful stuff or fantasy Mm -hmm. or highly, highly conceptual or, you know, work that's, you know, too cool. I'm more of a romantic. Um, So... Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Actually, you know, a friend of mine uh, messaged me a, a question for you, and it, it kind of is along those lines. And we got this question from some several people. I'll just mention Andrew because he's a friend of mine now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, how do you uh, select the people you would like to represent? And and sort of to add on to that a little bit, 
how do you know when you've taken on too much or you need to take on more? Well, yes, yes, that is, those are good questions. So I find artists to represent in every way imaginable. I've not yet started working with anyone whose work I've seen on Instagram, but I've seen plenty of work on Instagram that I've really loved and gone to the artist's website. And I would have no problem. I mean, that's, who cares? Like, again, it's mm. like, it doesn't matter how you get to someone. So um, I'm sure someday everything will fall into place for it to be, for it to come about that way, where I see something on Instagram and I wind up working with someone. But right now, you know, I, I look at work on Instagram. I, I get a ton of recommendations from, you know, colleagues uh, to look at work. I watch who wins awards, who wins Guggenheims, who does important residencies. I look at books that are, you know, being published by a lot of these small book publishers that I've been talking about a lot today. Mm -hmm. And I meet people at portfolio reviews. I meet, you know, I every way. I that's how I find my artists. All of these ways, they all work. There, I don't care. There's no preference. There's no good good way or bad way. I mean, when when I see great work, I'm it's just thrilling. So, sorry, was there a second part to that question? <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, I sorry, I, I remember. Yeah, um, I'm sorry, I'm a little a little uh tired, I guess. Um, <laughs> so I represent 15 photographers now, and I don't feel like I can represent anymore. So there's work out there that I really love, and I'm, I try my best to be helpful to those people whose work I really love and who I really believe in. But And I do sell work by people who I don't represent. Oh, so wow. that's that's a little known fact. So that's a little bit of inside baseball nugget that that I just uh, yeah letting you all in on. So if I see work that I really love, but I don't feel like I can represent the person either because I feel overcommitted, I just don't feel like I can add anyone else to the roster, or because the work is too similar to someone else who I already represent, but I know I have a client who would love it, mm. I will contact that person and ask them if they want me to try and sell their work. I mean, it's almost always happens with people I already have relationships with. I don't think I've ever called someone I've never met. In fact, I know I haven't. But, mm -hmm. but you know, in fact, I, again, I don't want to name names, but about a month ago, I just committed to trying to sell some work for someone who doesn't have a dealer who I really, really admire, and I'm going to give it my best shot. I, and I think that they're doing important work, and I'd like to try and help out. So, but for sure, like, I have to be careful about, I think at one point I represented like 21 artists. And for me, I was completely overwhelmed. Wow. And I, I yeah. felt like a failure all the time. Like I was constantly letting two people down because I couldn't be working for everyone at the same time. It was just too much. And so I've I cut back. Knowing your limits. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. You know, you just mentioned two things that I think we should add to the mix that I think that uh, um, relates to many of the questions we've got. And, and there was one question from, from Ian also about, you know, if you, if you don't have a, an MFA background, uh, how can you get your work out there? Are they, the other thing you just mentioned were residencies and workshops. And, you know, uh, I speak to a lot of uh, artists who just had you know the, some of those amazing experiences and networking experiences too from 
these other organizations? Yeah, I mean, again, this is all networking, but residencies are fantastic. You know, I think the moral of that in a way is that things operate on multiple layers. So you you go to a residency to work on a project, but while you're there, you meet a lot of people, you know? It's like what I was saying about portfolio reviews. You're getting your work reviewed, but you're meeting a lot of people. Like these are all, you know, have more than one function. That's right. Which is great. It's really great, right? I mean, that's just such a wonderful thing that things can can give you so much. There's, There's more than one gift. Yeah, and from what I've been uh, hearing about the way residencies are dealing with COVID is that they've lowered the prices and and made them more widely available for attendance for for, uh, people who would like to join because they're doing it virtually. So they're saving a lot of money on renting a space and and all those things. Um, So it'll be a different experience, but there might even be more availability right now and more affordability. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I definitely like this is not the ideal time. And, no, right. You know, right. but um, there are no portfolio reviews happening in person. But I think that, you know, this this we're, we're, we're going to be coming out of this in the next six, eight months. And so life will life will get back to a more normal yeah. place. And um, at least when it comes to re- looking at work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. So. Well, I think that that's that's probably uh, we don't want to overload people, so maybe we'll we should stop here. But there was um, a lot of good stuff. Uh, I think a lot of uh, a lot of great questions and great uh, questions, yeah. and people can keep sending them, and we'll do our best to you know respond either in the show, um, thank people, and and I can uh, I can link to some of the things we mentioned in the show notes. Okay, that would be great. Yeah, yeah. we did throw out a bunch of names of things and whatnot. So <laughs> so we'll try and get some of those resources. Um, yeah, in the show notes. Um, and let me just say one last thing. I've asked this before, and I appreciate the people who um, did it. But if you do like the podcast and you know, I think a lot of you do because you're listening and we get a ton of fan mail. Uh, thank you. It's, as I always say, it's we really appreciate it. But can you please, I'm begging you people. This is me, <laughs> Sasha, begging, begging. Can you please rate the podcast on wherever you can, which I think is Apple and Spotify, because it's just, it's just going to help us, you know, reach a few more people. It is meaningful. I know it's a pain in the behind, but it just be a favor to us. And I think we, Michael and I both be really appreciative. You don't even have to comment. Just, just hit those stars. Exactly. (laughs) And yeah. Okay. That's all I'll say. Um, Well, thank you, Michael, so much for doing this with me today. Yes. Well, thank you for being my guest on your show. Yeah, you bet, man. I would say any time, but I don't mean it. And, you know, I don't like to be insincere. (laughs) We've got some great shows coming up, though. We have Richard Rinaldi, Julian Laub, Doug Dubois. So we've got some great, great shows. We're going to get back to the artists. And um, anyway, yeah, um, thanks so much. Until next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Photo Work with Sasha Wolf is produced by me, Michael Chauvin Dalton of Real Photo Show. The executive producer is Sasha Wolf, and our theme music is by J. Walter Hawks. 
You can hear PhotoWork on all your favorite podcast platforms. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify, and be sure to subscribe on any one of those services or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you.